guys, welcome to the Cultivate and Keep podcast. I'm Jeremy and this is Corey, and this is where we talk about what we are learning, what we are studying in the Bible, and what is new in our businesses. What's going on, my friend? Hey. It feels like a, it's been forever. It's been a long time, yeah. I was going to yeah, say that. I've been really looking forward to it. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but it was it was the month of March. Felt really, really long. Mm. Like, not necessarily even in a bad way, but I just can't even believe. Like I was looking back on, um, I was publishing the last episode with David on March 23rd. I was like, March 23rd. That literally feels like months ago. Mm -hmm. And it was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, two weeks ago. So um, all is well, doing good, surviving. It's been a lot going on though. It's been like a very like, this kind of sounds dumb, but like a work hard, play hard, like Every weekend we've you, had, dude. yeah, you can, yeah. You been, Every like, weekend we've had and, something. It's been like yeah. a trip or like some sort of holiday or anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, and then during the week, I'm just like heads down, mm-hmm. you know, treading water, trying to get everything done that I need to. So it's been a lot. That's cool, man. Nonstop. <laughs> yeah, been doing well too. Um, we are a quarter of the year of the way through the year, which is crazy. Right. Uh, you know, a few, uh, I'm always like looking at the calendar for like our events and stuff. And so in January, thinking of like events we had in, you know, end of March and in April. And sometimes I'll like look at w- what's coming up and I'll, I'll not like dread events, but I'll think, ah, oh, I don't want to do that one. Or like mm-hmm. that one's kind of been whatever. And I was looking at the schedule this week from like the past few weeks and kind of looking at what we've completed and seeing, uh, like some big ones kind of get out of the way is, is kind of encouraging, but also weird, like how quickly it's gone by. So mm-hmm. I feel like every year we they're see, already we the same thing. Yeah. Already passing. And Time's flying by. So time's flying, man. Um, but yeah, let's. I, I think we should go right into it because there's a lot. Let's get it. Yeah, let's not waste any time. Uh, I thought maybe we could st- we could start with um, some of my, maybe what we're studying the Bible and sort of going through, and I can talk through sort of what I've been going through with my devotions a little bit. Um, I've been going through a lot of the New Testament, mainly the epistles, again, and um, trying to read it in a new light a little bit, but. Uh, came across, you know, I kind of have like these little, um, like highlights of just a couple of passages for like each chapter usually. Um, so, and then I, I go through a couple books, but anyways, I'll just like kind of go through a few of these and you can stop me if there's any other thoughts that kind of come up while, while I'm reading them. But one of them was from uh second Thessalonians three, starting in verse 10. He says, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some of you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Now such persons we can we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. I've been kind of just like really stuck and uh, really like marinating on this idea of um, like working as a ministry and like the intersection of work and ministry and, and business and ministry. And I just thought it was, I've been like collecting passages where it sort of like talks about that theme. And this, this was another one where he specifically says, um, hey, if, if you're not working, like you don't get to eat. And basically it was like a problem within the church. I also love that he uses the word busybody. Um, that's, of course, it's the translation. But uh, uh, I just thought that was interesting. Like, I don't know. I think that's going to become more and more pertinent in the future, given the way that the country is going. <laughs> and I won't make any more comments than that. But uh, just something that's been top of mind for me. Yeah, and no, me and Connor were just talking about kind of along these lines but um like i mean think of being a busybody in ministry right so maybe like you're someone who uh, you do a lot of ministries but um like you're just you're kind of you're busy in the ministry like i I know you've been there like i've for sure been there as well 
Um, but right now I'm not. And I think you're probably similar. Um, like, do, do you do you have any like weekly ministries? Like, no, like technical mm-hmm. ministries, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I have. I mean, two technically, but one the weekly one is my high school small group, and then the worship ministry. But I was talking with Connie because she's never really done like a official like weekly ministry oh. with the church. She did. Um, I think she was a higher ground or some like small group she did for like a year or two. Um, and that was about it. And besides that, you know, she like always helps out with like the bus kids dinner and like, you know, special things around like Christmas and stuff like that. Future quest, um, camps. Um, and we were talking about that and she was saying, you know, like I've, I've had times I've felt like guilty or bad that I'm not one of those people who has, you know, three or four like ministries that I'm busy with. Um, she was saying, but I feel like like my workplace, or I feel like, you know, my daily life is like a ministry, you know? And so this is an idea we've talked about, but, um, I think it's easy to be like your effectiveness, I think can be so much greater, um, when you're slowed down and like precise and like, whether it's yeah. like your people that you intersect with at your work and your workplace and your business, um, versus like every night of the week, just being like drained with some kind of commitment. Um, I've had to like unlearn that because I was someone that was like, you know, when I was in high, you know, end of high school, like, let me do every ministry that I could possibly do. And it was just like every night of the week was filled with something and in that season. It was really good. And I felt like, man, I'm killing the ministry game. Like I'm, I'm doing well. <laughs> uh, and I still think doing ministries are important. Um, but I've kind of noticed, at least in my like friend group, like a shift in like, I guess the culture, at least at our church, like when it comes to ministries, I feel like yeah. for a while it was like, there was an overabundance of like good leaders and overabundance of people that wanted to help. And right now it seems like in a lot of the ministries at the church, from what I can observe, it seems like they're kind of lacking on mm-hmm. pe- at least, you know, people that want to help and be involved. I don't know why that is. Um, Seasons. I, don't know. I would say, yeah. I mean, I think for me, like I'm, yeah, like what I'm trying to communicate is like, it's okay to not do. Yeah a ton of ministries and then to still, but you can still be effective like in your, in your own ministry, if that makes sense, whether it's at your workplace or your friend group, whatever it is. Um, but it's like a shift of mindset because we're, we, I think we often think that we have to do all the ministries. Yeah. I really like that word precise. I feel like earlier I was talking about like my theme for the year and I was kind of like going to like, is it like focus or like, I feel like precise is like a really good kind of summary of that thought of just the things that you are going to do do them really, really well for a really, really good reason mm-hmm. and, you know, commit to them, but don't just spread yourself thin between all these different things, which I'm still guilty of, but it's a, you know, work in progress. Mm-hmm. I mean, like this podcast, like, would you consider this like a ministry? I mean, kind of, maybe no, like, I know. right. Yeah. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's like the intent behind it, but I think it's on like a personal level. It's probably good for me and you just to like yeah. talk about stuff. Right. And so I, I think so. You I know, mean, it's, it's, it's not an official ministry, but it kind of is like one. Right. It's a hobby with a ministry effect or with some sort of spiritual aspect. So, um, I think it qualifies, uh, in some regard. Um, one of the other things I've been reading through is, uh, my utmost for his highest. And, um, I really like this one actually from, was it yesterday, April 5th? Um, I thought this was, just, this was just really fascinating. Um, I don't have like a lot of thoughts and it's just like new information kind of. Uh, so he wrote, it was not death on the cross that Jesus agonized over in Gethsemane. His concern here was that he might not get through this struggle as the son of man. He was confident in getting through it as a son of God. In other words, you know, uh, the God side of Jesus. Satan could not touch him there. But Satan's assault was that our Lord would come through for us on his own solely as the son of man. If Jesus had done that, he could not have been our savior. And I never really thought about the struggles of 
Jesus, uh, human, uh, mankind, I guess, and the uh, the consequences of that for you know dying on the cross and the atonement of our sins. I'm not sure the the, the theology here, um, but it's, I thought it was really really interesting. I just like never thought about that before. Like, oh, what if Jesus had failed to die for us, or you know, what if he had gone through it all on his own strength, not on the strength that came from his divinity? If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I don't think I've ever really thought through as much as I have this year. Like, you know, you think of like Christmas and Easter, like these big like Christian event, not Christian events, but like big like milestones or like things that we talk about and celebrate come around every year. I've never really um like thought through as much as I have like this year. So thinking of like Easter, um, I don't know if, I don't know if the right word is like challenge or just mm. like consider, contemplate or digest, whatever the word is. Um, this year I've like really thought about like the process of Jesus and what he did, um, and like how all that played out. And kind of like I think in the past years it's kind of been like like I hear it and I believe it and I'm like, Yep. And this year's been a bit more of like really wanted to understand it and really wanted to like think through mm. like the steps that like, actually occurred and what actually happened with Jesus. Um, I've never, I've never done that in the past. I'm not sure why I've just kind of been like, COVID. Oh, yeah, yeah. But now I'm like kind of going there and like really thinking through it. I think that's one of the benefits and it's of been, COVID. It's been, a, yeah, it's just a reset. It just makes you look at everything differently. It's like this wrench that was thrown into the, mm-hmm. the gears of our entire, you know, world. And now everyone, uh, re, you know, has a new appreciation for things or relooks at mm-hmm. things or um, things have to work differently, but also these, especially these traditions, maybe it sort of opens up like a new perspective for experiencing them. That's a good one. Uh, another one that I was reading through is uh, leadership devotions and it's, are you doing each of these every day? Like no, devo- I don't do them. Are they devotionals? Where, where are they? Yeah, they're devotionals, but I don't do them every day. Okay. You kind of skip them. around on them. Uh, no, I, I read through, like when I actually do, I read through the Bible and then each of mm-hmm. these three devotionals, but I do them a few times a week. But the devo- devotional is, you know, obviously every day, right? Oh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I could. So do you just like read the day that you're, yeah, you're on technically kind of thing? Yeah. Well, like if you um, miss three days, do you read three days or do you just like skip no, the last no. couple days kind of thing? Well, the, the, my utmost first highest is like a daily one. But mm-hmm. The other two are just like chapters. Okay. And so. I was going to say, there's a lot of reading there. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm going to come up impressed. to. Yeah. Uh, well, depending on how quickly I go through them, I'll probably end up repeating some of the reading for the other two. My atmosphere is highest. There's always like new ones because I inevitably like skip over days and then the next year <laughs> I might get to that day, mm-hmm. you know, depending on, I don't know, where things fall. So, uh, but one of the other ones is called Leadership Devo- Devotions. This should have come up with a better a name for it because it's very generic. But uh, I really, really like this one. I wanted to get your thoughts on it, but um, I should have put the author in here, but he said, or she said, I can't remember. When we think of forbidden fruit, what usually comes to mind are things that are bad for us, alcohol, adultery, the corruption of wealth and power. But for, but forbidden fruit may also signify something that we yearned for, that God has, or has chosen not to give us the success just beyond our grasp, a dream we've chased most of our lives, a relationship with a particular person. What we don't have can overshadow all of our other gifts. Judging God's work in our lives to be too slow or too fast, too dull or too frightening, we reach for something more than we were ever created to have. And I thought that was interesting from a couple of perspectives. One is I never really thought about sort of like the idolization of God's gifts to us 
or potential God's gifts for us. Because, um, well, I guess, yeah, kind of part of this in the second one, which is, I think there's a lot of like, well, like God wants so much for you and like it's unlimited and like just his plans are, are great and amazing. And when we like hear that and think of that, we automatically go to like the most grander uh, version of that vision <laughs> of like, oh, sweet, I'm going to be the president and rich and like, I want to be an NBA superstar. But it's like, no, m- maybe not. Like maybe God's plans for you are not of like prosperity, like what, like we think of, for example. Um, and so it's important to like keep yourself in check of, you know, this forbidden fruit of like things that we don't have that also may not be in God's will for us, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's kind of, you know, one thing I, I want to talk about a little bit, I wrote down, um, but kind of the idea of like, like holding loose to like financial gain or like, you know, or like worldly prosperity or just like good things that we think are good in our life. Um, I feel like you've kind of been in that spot. I think I've been in that spot too recently. Totally. I'm just like totally like, like thinking a lot of like financial security and I think for different reasons for each of us, I think with you, um, like, you know, making the leap from, uh, being employed to having your own, your own companies now. And then I think for me, when COVID hit, like that really crippled our, our most of our income. And, and that came right for me, it came right after some, you know, we bought our house and some big things that we had done. And so, um, both of our mindsets have been like survival mode and like cranking out work and yeah. just trying to produce income. And so just thought of like, we've both been, I think, well, I shouldn't speak for you. I've been I kind of been like holding on to like this idea of like, I want financial gain. I want to be secure. I want it's me too. Uh, like in my mind, what makes for a good future? Like I want those things. And I'm not, I can't remember where I read it. I, I wish I would have, like, I would have uh, like note, noted who like the, the author of it, but uh, the title, what, the phrase was uh, hold loose to financial gain and hold fast to God's favor. Mm. And um, I just been thinking about that. Like, and I keep talking about like God's, you know, keeping yourself in God's love and his favor. Um, but I think that, at least for me and you, it's so easy right now to be stuck on like the, again, the worldly side of things, which, which we always talk about, but I guess it's not a bad thing. I, I don't think that, I don't think it's bad to like want to be financially secure and to want to, you know, uh, like have some ambitious like financial goals. But I think our problem has been like, that's what we're like really wanting, you know? And the sole uh, focus basically. it's really been a sole focus. I mean, I think it wavers comes out for me, at least it kind of comes and goes, but if I'm, if I'm being honest, like a like a removed like perspective, like that's a lot of times where I'm, where my mind is at, and um, I, I didn't make any notes of it, but I read it through Hebrews eleven, kind of like, I was like just researching like those phrases, and I came across Hebrews eleven, and um, that th- that's the ver- uh, that's the chapter in Hebrews where um, it's kind of giving all these examples um, of stories and of people of faith in the Bible. And it's like every few verses, like the, the wording is, it'll say like, by faith, you know, so-and-so did this or by faith, like this happened. And it's kind of sharing all these examples of people of faith. And at the end of all these examples, it talks about kind of what happened to a lot of those people. And it, and it, sh- it, it lists them out and it says they were stoned, they were sawn, sawn into two, they were tempted, they were put in death, put to death by the sword, they were put in jail, uh, they went about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. Uh, they were wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and, and holes in the ground. And it, like, lists off, like, all the people of faith who trusted God, like, w- how their life ended. And that's 
you know, this like chapter of hope and faith, like that's how it ends. And then the final, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what the heck? Like that can't be right. So immediately oh, I'm looking man. like blue letter, blue letter Bible and looking all these like, whatever. This can't possibly be yeah, like, what, what it means. Um, but the last two verses say this, all of these having gained approval through their faith did not receive what was promised because God had promised something that was better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Hmm. And a lot of the commentary talks about, um, obviously like their reward was in heaven, not on earth. And, um, kind of going back to what I said in the beginning of like holding like looser to like success here on earth right now and more onto God's favor and God's rewards. And that, um, example, <laughs> the verses is probably far fetched for me and you today. Like we're not, uh, hopefully aren't going to face that probably won't, maybe not. We'll see. But, um, still important to think about like that there are more things than just like financial success and like, you know, being comfortable and, and whatever it is for you, core, I'm not sure what, what you're wanting. Um, I have things in my head that I think of, but same. Like, like, I guess I want to go back to say like, it's good to have those things. I want those things. I will probably hopefully get those things, but they can't be my like sole focus. Like it, it just can't. I think that like my days go best when like that's at the bottom of my priority. And when that's the number one thing I like I'm working for, I feel like I'm constantly frustrated. I'm constantly feeling like yeah. I didn't get enough done. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm behind. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot too. One of my other things I was going to mention was uh, still reading getting towards the end of this book with uh, by Sky Jathani. And um, come on, bro. I'm still on that. I know. Right. I passed well, you up, dude. Took a, a few weeks off uh, on the book club, but um, you know, it talks about how, all of religion is based on fear and control. And so we talked about what does it mean to live life with God? And he says, it is only when we live uh, with God and come to experientially know his goodness and love that the shadows break and these commands b- begin to make sense. Um, if I am eternally safe and I come to see the world as a safe place, then I am set free from my fears. I'm free to give rather than hoard. I'm free to enjoy each day rather than to worry. I'm free to forgive rather than, than to retaliate. I'm even free to love the person who is determined to harm me, but it all starts. Uh, it all starts with trust, aka faith. And um, and he says, uh, "Here's a simple but not easy." Oh, this was me. <laughs> this was me writing it. Here's a simple but not easy principle: <laughs> We are to surrender control and fear in order to live life with God. How do you do that? And I was basically writing down my thoughts of like financial security is top of mind for me, and it just feels baffling to not worry about that uh when there's a reason to worry about that that Mm -hmm. makes sense um yeah i totally get it 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 makes sense on paper like trust in god and like live life with god and like have hope but then i'm like i can't shake the feeling Mm -hmm. and i think that's the really hard part of um uh i personally i've been thinking more about it's gonna sound weird but like i think there's a, a very real possibility or chance that I might be fairly financially successful um, more than the average person. Oh, I think you will for sure. I always still calling that, by the way. <laughs> so he says, is Corey making a lot of money? I'm like, I don't know about right now, but he's going to be crazy wealthy. <laughs> I always tell her that. Definitely not right now. And I'm actually kind of scared of that because there's a lot of verses in the Bible about how it's easier for, um, you know, for the camel to pass through the eye of a needle than mm-hmm. it's for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven because... Um, you don't have any fear and you have all the control and like you become your own religion. Like you are self-sustaining. Why would you need God in that situation? And uh, it's sort of like the, 
the principle of um, temptation and avoiding temptation where you have to already decide ahead of time, no, I'm, ne- I'm not going to cheat on my wife. No, I'm not going to look at this thing. No, I'm not going to, you know, before those situations are ever in front of you. Because if you're in the moment, you're going to cave. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get into the moment with having a lot of money and then cave. I want to have that decided ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And are you actually like, you're like genuinely worried about that for yourself? Yeah, I think so. Or like the thought just crossed your mind like, oh, what if like I, you know, didn't steward this correctly kind of thing? I, I'm not actually, <clears throat> I think I have a, a really good sense of self-control, but it's also that confidence that's like, well, anything could happen. And like, I don't really know what it means. Um, you know, like all the sort of like downstream effects that I don't really see or know about or mm-hmm. even I'm aware of. Um, but it's more that like, uh, if that happens, when that happens, I want to know what exactly to do to steward that money mm-hmm. rather than to uh, be a slave to it. And it had me thinking, well, like today I should not be worried about financial security. And like, I should be able to shake that feeling living life with God without actually having it mm-hmm. so that when I have it, I also won't feel like that is the thing that gives me my mm-hmm. sort of peace in life. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. That's really hard though. Yeah. No, I, I like lived most of last year being like very worried about money. And I don't know how much I like let on that, at least on the podcast. I think with you, I was probably more like transparent. Um, and it's easier to be transparent now that it's like past versus being still <laughs> in it. I'm just being real for anyone listening. But yeah, I mean, last year, I, you know, I, uh, I was very worried. I mean, for a lot of reasons, but I mean, there was just, it was hard to think about anything besides like money. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. And like income and like bills and what has, you know, what's going on versus what's coming in. Um, and that, that has like so many different like levels to it, but yeah, it was, it was very hard. And, um, I don't know what changed exactly or how or why, but, um, it's like what, probably March the pandemic hit. Right. And then it was really sucky for a while. And my business basically shut down. I went back and worked for my dad for a while from like, I think May until October I stopped in October. Um, like our business was doing better. It was nothing how it was like, a, you know, the year before that, but we were, we were having enough to pay bills. And so that's kind of why I decided to stop working up for my dad and go back to my own stuff. And the point I'm trying to make was like money was enough to survive, but it wasn't like great. But my mind, I'm not sure why. When I decided to leave LeBons again and just like go back to whatever, something like kind of shook or something just released where I kind of just felt like, you know what, like, dude, whatever happens, happens. Like, I'm okay. Like, I, I, I trust God that we'll be, we'll be able to survive. So whether it means that I have to go get another new job or our business will be okay. And from then going forward, I've had like really no stress about it. I've just been pretty That's like awesome. chill about it and just have felt good. And I've like loosened up like for most of last year, for a lot of last year, I was like, me and Connie had a lot of conflicts about like money and like spending because I was very like, stop spending, let's, you know, let's cut back, let's whatever. And she was like, no, I want to keep living kind of thing. And somehow like in October, whatever, I not like going back to like, yeah, just spend money, but you know what I'm saying? Be a little more just like live a little bit and also like work at the same time. And something broke. Something had just been mm-hmm. like looser about that. And yeah. so, um, and even like right now, like I, I feel excited for the year, but, uh, Something has, something has changed what I'm trying to say. And so yeah. I don't know for you what that means, but I think a lot of it, I think part of it, sorry, part of it, I think is, is weird. It's like, I think there's a weird balance of like 
doing your due diligence diligence of like you know tracking spending and like budgeting and like kind of planning where money is going but at the same time like not like living and dying by that you know but kind mm-hmm. of just like like maybe a little bit you do let a little bit loose maybe you do kind of chill out a little bit right i'm not sure what that looks like but just the small things i guess um so yeah yeah i think i think some of it is i need to be careful of like the inputs in my life and um i'm very very much realizing that like the world that i'm in is just like obsessed with money and just like loves it like no other group of people like the, and it's weird too because with the internet and with with media today um, I don't mean media like the news. I mean like podcasts and blogs and YouTube channels and like all Twitter, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like you just have direct access and like a look into people's lives that you would never have before. And every day I listen to like sometimes billionaires <laughs> talk about like, you know, they're like crazy lives and like um, it's not that I'm envious of their money. I'm envious of their I'm like jealous of their attitude towards money. You Mm -hmm. know, like, oh, I just sold my company. Like, this is my second exit. And, oh, like, money's not a big deal for me anymore or Mm -hmm. whatever. I'm just like investing money here and there and like all these funds and businesses. And like, it's just like a playground, like the world. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I don't want that. It's like, it makes me like angry. Like, I just want like a couple extra thousand dollars, you know? Like, (laughs) I just want to like reach, you know, 1% of what you've gotten. And, um, but here they're all just like, you know, throwing it around. So it, it makes me, um, more conscious of money. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think from like an outside perspective to bounce off that is like, uh, for you, like, I think a good thing is like, you are now doing what you want to do for the most part of like, you are, uh, fully self-employed. You do have some, um, consulting that you're doing, but for the most part, you don't, you work for yourself and you work from home. You have, um, mostly control of your schedule from what I understand. Mm-hmm. And I know for a while, a big concern for you has been like building up enough run- runway and like savings to really kind of really focus on your own stuff. And I think you've, you've done that pretty well. And so I think there is a lot of reasons to like celebrate and to be like yeah. stoked on. Obviously that's not the end goal, but like my point is I think you're doing really darn good, you know, better than, yeah, I'm always, yeah, I'm always uh, downplaying sort of <laughs> our situation, how we've been doing. Those are the big ones for me studying. Cool. Um, I don't know if you have more notes on yeah, yours. I, I sure. And that was the thing I wanted to share was that my little spiel that I jumped in on. So yeah, that's good. Um, well, I can talk about something that I'm a couple learning uh, yeah. bits. This one's really a quick. <laughs> yeah, a few. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> try to roll through them pretty quickly. Actually, one just really quick. Um, I've been reading this book called "To Sell as Human," which is really good. Daniel Pink. He's actually a really, really good author. He, like all of his books are fantastic. Um, one of my favorites now. But uh, I saw this like just an interesting snippet, just because it's one of those things where once you see it, you can't unsee it, and it's just, you're just going to see it all over the place. But um, he talks about storytelling, and basically that there's the Pixar formula. Every Pixar film shares the same narrative DNA, and actually, it's really not even the Pixar film narrative. This is just like the way that they like templatized it. But um, every story sort of shares the same format, which is uh, six kind of sequential uh, sentences or or pieces. You have once upon a time, blank, every day, blank, one day, blank, because of that, blank, because of that, blank, until finally, blank, the end. Every single 
movie, book, uh, even like, you know, pitch really follows that format. So I just thought I, like I had known that before, but I was like, dang, now I like really, really see it, especially obviously if you watch the Pixar films. Um, but just a quick snippet for you. The, the main thing that I'm thinking about with learning, I've been trying to do more, um, uh, not just like reading through one year and out the other, but like really like capturing and synthesizing. And so I started keeping this list of just like things that I'm like, yeah, this is one of like the main things that I use to make decisions, live my life, like things that like keep coming up over and over and over again that I don't want to forget. And then I'll probably end up like writing a brief blog post about it or something like that. Um, but I just thought I'd run through them. You can stop me at any point. I'm just going to like briefly kind of run there. There's a whole bunch of them. Um, there's kind of a reason for that, but uh, yeah, I get, just I get ready. <laughs> Here we go. These are, these are Corey's life principles. Buckle up. Um, it's uh, it, the list will get longer as well. So this is like the, the April 6th version, but uh, the first one is simple, not easy. One of the things we talked about, but every single time it's like, the, the best like lesson or like the best principle or like takeaway thing that you learn, mm-hmm. it's always so simple. It's just never easy. It's always hard to do, um, but it's always super simple. Uh, Ten Commandments, like the, the biblical principles, like, you know, love your neighbor <laughs> as you would yourself. Love God with all your heart, mind and soul. Like so, so simple. Definitely not easy. Not easy to follow through. Uh, second one, look for positive asymmetry, avoid negative asymmetry. This is something that I've been trying to like describe for so long that finally uh, a book I was reading, uh, Anti-Fragile, put into words. But basically, there's a like every opportunity in front of you um, has some sort of upside and downside. And the best deals are the ones with positive asymmetry. So they have outsized upside compared to the downside. The worst deals have outsized downside compared to the upside. Um, and I wanted to mention this also because I'll talk about something a little bit later. But uh, basically everything that I look at now, because I feel like for a long time I was like, well, I'm kind of like a, I want to eat my cake and have it too, have my cake and eat it too, however it goes. Like I kind of want the best of both worlds. And it's hard to mix caution with um, like really, really good rewards but this is actually the principle here, like positive asymmetry. If there's really big upside, very, very limited or low, or even no downside, like those are the things, those are the games I like playing. Those are like the opportunities I like doing. Um, so there's a bunch of applications to that, but I'll leave it there. Play the long game. Every single time I'm like looking at something as well, play the long game always comes up of like, if you're trying to like make a quick buck or like trying to do something really quick, it just never works out. You always have to go long-term. Um, I'm going to skip this one for now because I'm actually not sure uh, what I think about it quite yet. It's a little bit early. Um, don't be jealous of anyone you wouldn't switch lives with. I forget who I heard this from, but it just like completely changed my perspective. And now I'm like not jealous of anyone, basically. I like being me <laughs> personally. <laughs> I wouldn't even switch lives with Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg or Barack Obama or Donald Trump. No, thank you. I like being me. Sorry, not even you, Jeremy. Um, I think it was a pretty sweet life, though. Like, yeah. It would be... Uh, it'd be pretty close. I would I would consider you more than Elon Musk yes. personally. That's big time, bro. Uh, there's a little truth in every lie and a little lie in every truth. I, I liked that one. That was, that was cool. Yeah, I think we've talked about this one before. But I think I just realized that most of um, the things that you hear, if 
for example, you think that that thing is right, there's probably something a little bit wrong about it or something that's not completely truthful or maybe even something that, you know, the other person doesn't know or, you know, a missing fact, but like you have to always assume that there's a little lie or something wrong with every bit of truth, everything that you know and believe, like a gap in knowledge, essentially. On the opposite end of the spectrum, in every lie, every wrong thing, there's a little bit of truth. And I feel like this is like some of the, um, <laughs> one of the things I really realized was like, this is like what comes up in humor. Like when people make a joke or like making fun of you, it like they're actually making fun of you, even though it's like a joke. Like they're, they are pointing like something about the way you look, the way you talk, you know, a story about you, a personality trait, like there's a little bit of truth in there. And that extends uh, far beyond just humor. But um, very similarly, almost nothing is binary. I just feel like the world is like so gray, even down to like biblical principles. There's like all sorts of interpretations. And like, I'm just tired of people being like, this is the way, this is not the way. Whoa, Connie needs to hear that one. <laughs> Do a little copy and paste action. On that. Well, there. Uh, she's very black and white dude that's why I say it very black and white and you know me I'm normally you are too yeah very black and white but I still feel like even within you know there's shades of white I'm like the grayest of of gray I'm like "Eh, I can work (laughs) I'm just like "Eh, it's all good like dude I've always been that way I love it here's another one for you the future belongs to Optimus it's something I heard on a podcast fairly recently I really liked but basically the thought was like there are two types of people there are optimists and pessimists Optimists always see like the light in something and they always have like a vision or a dream for the future. Pessimists always see like the negative version of something and they always feel like it's like doom and gloom. And I'm definitely like an eternal optimist, but I also felt for a long time like, no, this is like the right attitude (laughs) because I just feel like what's the point in being a pessimist? There really is no point in being like Debbie Downer, Mr. Doomsday, um, everything's a bummer, like always looking at the negative. Pretty much always it pays off to be an optimist. But also, if you think about it, really, the future is created by optimists, people who see the possibility of a better future or just a different uh, future. So that's my whole thing is optimists create the future. Pessimists don't do anything. Boo pessimism. I hate it. Uh, Treat others how they want to be treated. It's kind of a spin on like how I want to be treated, but just always looking to the other person. Always afford someone... a. a favor that costs you nothing it would cost them much um okay i thought this one was weird okay i'm down with it don't get me wrong i I like it but it seems weird so maybe expand a little bit basically Um, it's it's my way of justifying saying yes to a lot of really mm -hmm. small things um for example this is something that i've i do on social media i pretty much like on twitter i like everything and I retweet anything that people ask me to because it basically costs me nothing. But to them, it's like a big a deal. Way, yeah. Like, oh, he liked my post yeah. or like look at all these likes. That, yeah. They retweeted it. Yeah. Same thing with like someone asked me to like buy them food. Like I buy them food right away. It doesn't even matter what it is. Sweet. Give I'm them getting, a ride. I'm I getting give them wings a ride. for dinner, bro. <laughs> but really, like yeah. if it's a small thing, I'm going to say yes every single time, especially if that if that person is – um. If they, if they don't have a car and asking for a ride, I'm not going to say no. It happened the other day. Some like, random guy came up to me at church and was like, could you give me a ride? Really? Hadn't even talked to him in years. And I was like, of course, let's go. Like, where do you live? Didn't even know. Cool. Thank goodness he, well, nothing is. But fortunately, he lived right down the street from yeah. the church. Um, but like, it cost th- me nothing yeah. to jump in the car. Th- for think, him, he'd have to walk miles. I think why that, not run me the wrong way, but kind of like st- stuck out to me was, I like, through your list was, 
uh, like from a Christian mindset, like that's the opposite of what we like read in and learn in the Bible of like, you know, so, you know, someone asks you to walk them out and you walk too, you know, they ask for a dollar, give them $2 kind of thing. Like mm. you, you know, you give more than what is asked kind of idea, um, help those in need, you know? And so I don't think it's a bad way of thinking. It just, that's why it stuck out to me. Cause it's different. Yeah. I mean, it is. I, I mean, cause it. you're saying like, Basically, if it costs you nothing, then do it, right? Oh, uh, I see, I see. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think those are like competing ideas, though. Personally, yeah, no, I don't think it's a uh, what's the word? I, I like it's what I want to say. Okay. Like, I think it's cool, but yeah. it's it, it stuck out. I was like, well, this is a kind of different way of I see. thinking, you know? Yeah, I could see that, especially coming from you, like hearing you say that. I was like, oh, okay. hmm. all right, Corey. Uh, another one: seek to understand, not to be understood. I just feel like it's something like conversationally, relationally. I just always remind myself of like, if I'm always trying to like make someone understand my point of view, it just never works out. And you always have to try to like, um, if you give the other person the attention and sort of the the understanding that they need, then they can come to a place where they can understand what you mean and what you want to say. Follow the incentives. This is kind of like my rule for any sort of like, thing that people ask of each other and like business and like systems. I feel like this has been like the big thing for me with like evaluating like politics and like government and especially like big politics and government is just follow the incentives. What are people incentivized to do? And pretty much explains everything. <laughs> just like one thing after the other deep rabbit hole. I uh, repo you. So it's pretty uh, straightforward. Discipline brings freedom. Jocko Willink. I love, love, love that one. I always try to remind myself because if I want freedom, I need discipline. They seem like dichotomies, but they're not. Uh, here's another one by, it's actually a book now, but it's one of his most famous blog posts by a guy named Derek Sivers. He said, hell yeah or no. I think we actually did a, um, an episode on this, didn't yeah, we? we? Did. Yeah. Basically, the thought is like, how excited are you about this thing? Don't do things that you're not really excited about. Either be all in or say no. Like It's better to be mm-hmm. precise, maybe yeah. as we were talking about earlier. Lead by example. I just been kind of thinking like, look, the only way to lead is through example. They're like talk is cheap and you can explain yourself for days. But like, if you just start doing things, then that's the best way to lead. And I feel like that's also very pertinent for the political situations and opinions. <laughs> like just do something <laughs> tired of hearing about your whining. Um, seek the truth. Be eager to have your mind changed. Just like be objective. Give it a day. This has been a big one for me making a big decision, even like editing a blog post, giving feedback to someone. I've especially been hearing from other people like responding to criticism, especially online criticism. Give it a day and you'll probably think clearer, better, mm-hmm. different about it the next day. Have you gotten online criticism? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, here and there, yeah. small bits. Um, but n- nothing that's like personally attacking but just, you know, a piece of feedback, really, gotcha. uh, I would say more than criticism. Here's a, here's one that I really like. Writing is thinking and reading is learning how to think. I've been doing a lot more writing recently, just like personal writing, more like journaling, you could probably call it. But uh, writing is really the act of putting your thoughts onto paper and your thoughts in your head are really like ambiguous and like you know that they're there, but you're not really sure how to fully articulate them. So especially for me, someone who... You know, I've always said like I have to write it down first it's because I really have a hard time like thinking or like communicating on the fly. So for me, this is really big, like writing is thinking and then reading also is learning how to better think 
Um, and I really like that one. So James Clear, every action is uh, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs by the, as the votes build up. So is the evidence of your, your, your new identity. I just love this for like, who do you want to become? Build a habit to become that person. Boom, you become that person. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You follow the level of your systems. Also James Clear. I love this one. Be the designer of your world, not merely the consumer of it. Again, be an action doer, not a, just a talker. Uh, here's one that I, I really liked from this guy I've been following named Daniel Vasallo. He quit his $600,000 a year Amazon job, Amazon engineer job, to basically like do his own thing online. And he still makes a buttload of money now. He's very successful. Uh, not nearly that much, but he basically talked about how he like kind of got what he wanted to and like he just didn't see a point in making any more money. And he realized like he was not motivated by money anymore. Actually, he was... And he like had this whole reset of like, oh, I want to like spend a lot more time with my kids. And like, I want to do work that actually is like meaningful and like has like an impact. And I want to like live outside of the city and like farm and like be like outdoors more. And so it's intrinsic motivation, like things like autonomy and purpose and mastery that really drive them rather than just money, reward, status, and power, things like that. Luck equals doing and telling. The more you do and the more people who know what you do, the luckier that you'll get. Try to keep that in mind. Man, there are a lot more in here than I thought. Okay, but I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm getting through them. We all have 24 hours in a day. Me and you is no difference except for the way that we use our time. Ego is the enemy. Ryan Holiday, really like that one. Just try to always remind myself not to have an ego. We make decisions emotionally, justify them rationally. This is like my, my big marketing thing. So I just have to put it in there. Legacy is overrated. I think we talked about this pretty recently, but I've just been feeling a lot more recently, like 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 leaving a legacy and like the drive to leave a legacy is like such a selfish endeavor. And I'm like kind of bummed by how like popular it is in even like Christian circles. So uh, knowing what you don't want is just as important as knowing what you want. I really love this idea of anti-goals. Kind of like... Uh, get to the life you want mm -hmm. by reverse success which is mainly just avoiding big mistakes actually your dad told me this one that one right there yeah mm -hmm. mm. I, I just it just came to me i remember where it came from when i put it in there mm. mike lebon shout out to mike nice but uh he was talking with um i think it was just me actually we got coffee one time and uh because i think it was just like overthinking like career and like life and stuff and he's like look as long as you don't get divorced you don't go bankrupt you don't you know like commit a crime or a felony or murder mm -hmm. someone like you're gonna be fine <laughs> you're like ahead of most uh, ahead of a lot of other people okay final ones those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it it's huge learn to get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable or learn to get comfortable with being uncomfortable leave, leave room for margin both in life and business and time and finally, all business is bundling and unbundling. In other words... Yeah, expand on that one. Uh, to give an example of the internet, Amazon is one giant bundle of online stores. It's like every category ever. Joycraft Handmade is unbundling Amazon for... Smooth, handcraft, handcrafted, So smooth. Uh, designer jewelry, right? So... All of business either like bringing things together and the value proposition becomes it's all in one place at a cheaper, better, faster, whatever, 
or it's like niching down, becoming more specialized, becoming more handmade, more boutique. Hmm. So whenever I look at something, I'm like, is this a bundling play or is this an unbundling play? And those are Corey's life principles. Beautiful. <laughs> so long. So when does the book come out? Oh man. Crazy, the blog dude. post comes out sometime this summer. <laughs> that was cool. That was good. Um, all right, well I guess I'll uh get back in the game. <coughs> Sorry to leave it. <laughs> I'm like leaning back in my when chair. When I'm looking at this like, list, I'm like, oh, there's not like not that many. You were like a quarter of the way through and I was like, how much is left? I started scroll- oh. scrolling and I was like, whoa, this is uh You should have you should have filtered me cuz I was like, oh, well, at first like I was like adding in through. like, you know, a- asking questions and kind of thought I should probably stop cuz this is going to go on for a while. Okay. No, it was good. That was all really good. I think if I was listening to that, I would be like that would probably be my favorite part of the episode. So, hmm. that's good. A lot of good nuggets in there. Okay, good to hear. Good to hear. Um, okay, so my section on learning. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> Hit me. Um, dude, so recently I've been dedicating at least one hour every day just to like oh. learn and research. And it's been so fun. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I went on this kick a little while ago of, um, I think I talked about on this podcast, but I, I, I decided that for the most part, I would like to start work by about 8 or 8.30 every day. And so I've, I've told myself basically from 7 to 8 a.m. is my time. And when I say my time, I mean that I can use that for sleeping in. I can use that for reading, for mm-hmm. working out, for working, whatever I want. But it's it's because the reality is in, in my household and in my family and with, with me and Connie, like nothing happens really before 8 for the most part during weekdays. Unless, I'm, unless I have like an actual like work, I have to, you know, like a job I have to be at. But and so like that's by my time. What I mean is like, again, it, it's unoccupied time that like no one's going to take up. So. Um, I've told myself, Hey, if I want to sleep in one day, if I want to read a book, if I want to go on a, a walk, whatever it is, like I can do what I want. Um, <clears throat> and so anyway, what I've been doing is, uh, I've been spent, I've been dedicating an hour every day to reading and learning. And it's, what's cool is that I'm sorry, not, not reading, like literally just like learning and researching. So hmm. I've also been reading about an hour a day too, but like separate. So, um, it's been fun, dude. I think I'm in a unique spot to where I, so how, what I've been doing, like the actual like practical, like hour by hour, like most days, the first hour of my day, I spend like reading. So reading the Bible, reading, you know, books, whatever I'm reading, I read. Uh, and then I typically work. And then typically the last couple hours of my day, so re- the last like week, honestly, it's been more than an hour, but um, <clears throat> I've just been like researching, bro. And it's been so fun. Like I've just, whatever's on my mind, whatever I've been thinking about, like I just, I go research, I learn about. I see your, um, your eyes have been opened to yeah. uh, <laughs> to my world a little bit. It's been fun, dude. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I finally have time to do it right now. And so there's been a lot of things I've been kind of learning about and just like reading up on and kind of exploring and watching. And so it's been super fun. I've liked that. Uh, and the last like about 10 days or so, kind of like most top of mind, um, kind of want to talk about a little bit uh, in terms of like investing. I've always kind of thought about, I think we've talked about this, but for me, I've, I've always said I'm going to invest in businesses and real estate. It's kind of been like my plan. And I'm not sure how and why and who and what happened, but uh, that's still my plan. But now I, I've been thinking a lot more about just other opportunities to invest, whether it's um, stocks, bonds, um, crypto. <laughs> I've, been, I've just been thinking Ayo. about like what are the what are the outside of the box ways of thinking. Um, as you were talking earlier about, I can't remember what you were saying. I think you were talking about being like envious of like big time players that you want to you know be like that. And I was kind of thinking for myself, I've. More recently, just I've like I'm trying to re- remove myself of like the formula, I guess. So for me, the formula is like invest in business, invest in real estate, like work hard for 20, 30 years, and then I'll be I'll be good. And now I'm starting to think like, wait a second, <laughs> where are the loopholes? You know, uh, no, I, I don't know. I've just been thinking of like 
I think there are other ways. Gotta play the long game. Yeah, and so I'm not saying like get crazy and buy you know no, freaking know. fifty grand of Bitcoin, or whatever. But yeah. which I know people who do that, by the way. But um, you know, just like I've been thinking of, wait a second, I can be I can be less like cut and dry here. I can you know kind of spread out or um, I can figure out what's my like my disposable income I'm willing to experiment with, right, and try things. So I've been spending a lot of time like learning about those things. So I've listed a bunch of these out, but I think where I kind of want to so you know. I specifically been researching researching a lot about REITs, NFTs, BitClout. Uh, I can't believe you know what BitClout is. That's <laughs> Cordana crazy. and Bitcoin, uh, which Cordana and Bitcoin are uh, cryptocurrencies. Um, the main thing that I'm, so I mean, I've just been spending time like learning, right? So I'm not actually I probably not gonna go invest in BitClout. I'm not gonna really invest in NFTs, but it's been fun to like just like, spend time like learning about those things to be educated, know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just curious, what are your like general thoughts on those two things? Assuming you know what they are. Um, yeah. One, I think, I mean, REITs. Well, okay, give me a quick, well, we'll get to REITs. Cause re, so okay, REITs okay. and Cordana are the two that I really, I'm really, I'm actually considering those two. Hmm. Why you give me that look? I don't actually know what Cordana is. It's like a type of crypto. So, okay. I'm, I'm really considering Bitcoin, Cordana and REITs. I feel like I missed the boat on crypto. I'm oh, sorry, on, on Bitcoin. So hmm. anyway, before we get to that, NFTs and BitCloud, give me a quick, like <laughs> two second, like summary of what they are and what oh, your thoughts man. are. Cause I think they're crazy. They, like they it's are crazy. Wild that that actually exists. Well, yeah, they're very, they're two very different things. But basically, BitClout literally just emerged mm-hmm. like two weeks ago. It's brand new. Is that and why you're impressed with me? Yeah, a little yeah, bit. Dude. Yeah, but they have been like going yeah. literally viral, like absolutely nuts. Basically, what they did was they scraped all of Twitter, and then they put just the the top fifteen thousand profiles on BitClout. And it said, hey, you can invest in this person in a purely speculative speculative Mm -hmm. manner and buy their coins, which are BitClout coins. It's like you're buying stock in that person, basically. Exactly. Um, How you do that is you buy BitClout coins with Bitcoin. Um, And then sort of you you spend your BitClout amongst different creators. You Mm -hmm. can, you know, buy and and sell stock in people, basically, uh, based on, well... Based on who knows, who knows what, what, yeah, right. That's kind of because like right the now big no one can pull money out, right? From what I understand, no one can pull money out, uh, which is kind of raises a lot of big red flags for people. Um, I actually don't think it's a big deal because I think it's it's more like a protective measure, just mm-hmm. so like their whole like the website has to work, it has to like reach some sort of like critical mass of money in in user base before they can allow people to take money out, because otherwise it would just never get kickstarted in the first place, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, you need that critical mass and, uh, so you, and you need the money flowing too. And so anyways, I don't actually think it's a big deal. Um, there are ginormous investors like Andreessen Horowitz and, uh, I think like benchmark or whatever, Bessemer or something like that. Um, I think it's a really interesting idea. Uh, I just don't know the consequences of here's the thing. So as a creator, I think it's one of those things that has like great, positive asymmetry because basically it's free money mm-hmm. what it is, is yeah so if you're someone that people invest if, if, if i invest in you and you make it big time like you get money too as well right yeah if i for get nothing if well, i get for a like, market cap yeah. of millions of dollars i get a percentage of that literally for doing nothing for just besides doing, for doing what you would already do yeah right for having a high profile essentially yeah. some sort of level of popularity and reputation um the and so for me the ups, the downside is basically zero as a creator as an investor, there's also crazy upside, but there's also crazy downside because who knows what happens with, you know, the like 
economics Mm -hmm. of this actually and what it means to speculate on people it's crazy what makes it go up and down like today it's the early days so like everyone's like oh i'm making bazillions of dollars and like sure you probably can because everyone's putting money in like it can literally only go up from here every creator starts at basically like zero and so it's like really incentivizes you to get it get in early but also it could be a scam it could go back down to zero uh, there, mm-hmm. there's all sorts of things around regulation we don't really know about. And, uh, also I'm kind of skeptical as a creator because what if, you know, I really push it because what happens is like to activate your profile, you have to like tweet it out and like mm-hmm. get a certain amount of people to buy yep. your stuff. So you have to like pump yourself a mm-hmm. little bit. So what happens when you like pump yourself up and then like, there's like a big sell off and a bunch of people, like all of your friends or like supporters like lose money off of like you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't really want to be like a part of that. That makes sense. Yeah. So I don't know. Those are my early thoughts on BitCloud. Well, real quick. So yeah, just yeah. to like give a little insight, if, if you don't know what that is, uh, the second time I heard about it was from s- the guys from my first million. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was it? Sam, Sam Parr and Sean Perry. Sean so, is the, the big guy into okay, it. Okay. So the second time I heard about it was from that. And that's kind of, okay, let me go. Let me, cause the first time I was like, well, this is stupid. The second time I was like, let me go look this up. But <laughs> Sam, so this is what caught my interest. So what Core was talking about of like as a creator, you know, you can literally get get money just by activating your account. So, uh, from what I understand, I guess he he found out, he heard about BitCloud, he found out he you know he had a profile already made for him, and he went to activate it, and he found out that he had basically uh, um basically like an escrow account, but there's fifty thousand dollars for yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Fifty thousand dollars. That like that's the kind of money that and, and this guy is like he's right. big, but he's not like that big, right? I mean, he's yeah, there are a lot of like you know, like Elon Musk, for example, his his BitCloud coin, oh, whatever, is probably tens of millions, millions, if not billions, right? So it's crazy, like how much money is already in this in this thing, and so, like, would you do it? I don't know yet. No, I really? feel like I need to like see it play out because here's the thing too: is that for me as a creator, I'm not missing out at all by not activating my account right now, because my coin is still at zero, and all the upside is still left later. I would buy your. I would probably put. Corey, I'd probably put a grand into you, bro. Really? Straight up, yeah. Thanks. I've had a couple other people say that. I would. I appreciate so that. So let me know when you go. I would, I would put money into you as well. But I'm not big. We don't have the same yeah. online presence. No, yeah. None at all. I know. So. It's kind of, yeah, that's the thing. It has like, to be like, I don't which actually makes, to know, me makes it seem a little bit like, hmm. Right. You know? I don't actually know what it means to like increase your, your value on the platform. Because there's also like these weird features around, they're saying that you can, uh, it's like a private social network. So like if you hold a certain amount of coins, then... People can see like exclusive content where you can hold like investor meetings or whatever. I'm just like, oh, sounds kind of yeah, stupid. Weird. Um, but if all the options on here that I listed, I'm least considering that one. Well, no NFTs, I think, but then BitCloud. <laughs> but I was curious on what you thought and I knew that you would know about it. So yeah, I've considered it a little bit too, because I'm, I'm kind of planning on making a so Reddit you're saying, Twitter. You're and like saying really that my you're saying you're considering on making your own profile, but would you actually put money into buying someone else's I coin? I don't know. Yeah. yeah I don't know. That's why it also makes me feel like, well, if I don't know if I would buy other people's, then like, why would I tell people to buy mine? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't really know. Yeah. I don't know what the pitch is mm. for other people. For me, I'm like, oh, it's kind of interesting. Free money. You said you're going to uh, make a friend at Twitter. Right. So like, let's say my, I have 8,600 followers today. Uh, and I got, let's just say like I made a run at Twitter and I got to 50,000 by the end of the year. Um, maybe people, I could yeah. make a substantial amount yeah. of money from BitCloud. Maybe other people c- could too. And that'd be kind of a cool thing. 
but that's just like hearsay. Like mm-hmm. I have no idea yeah. what that means. Hmm. So NFTs, NFTs, NFTs are here to stay hundred percent. Really? Yeah. It's, it's basically uh, non fungible tokens. tokens. Yeah. Okay. It's basically digital ownership, digital real yeah. estate, digital art. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically think of it as like a domain name, but for anything like you mm-hmm. own the right to it and it, there's only one of it or one variation of that thing. Uh, and so the value is purely in, it's not really in like the eye of the beholder because things do have intrinsic value on the internet. Like for example, like uh, memes are actually really funny, but like a good example of this where like, we know that there was like an original meme and let's just say you owned like the, the bad look Brian meme um, or like a Brian Scott, Paul Pierce meme. <laughs> let's just say for example, which may have, may have more value now to you, by the way. Exactly. Exactly. So again, it's very much tied to the reputation of a person, um, cultural relevance, uh, even just like intrinsic value of uh, an, an image. Let's just say like, you know, the amount mm-hmm. of times that Im- like you have exclusive rights to an amazing image of earth, for example, it's super like high def. Uh, you could go and like print that for yourself, but also like you could just own it. Other people would be interested in owning that just to preserve it over time. So it's basically like the, the tokenization, um, the, the crypto of anything online, not just currency. Um. W- again, would you buy it? Would you buy it? Invest. Uh, yeah. There, there are certain things that I'd buy. I thought about getting into um, like sports trading cards. Sports cards. Yeah. Um, I think that there's certain like I think memes are really interesting. Actually, certain images. Uh, I think we're like just at the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. There are a lot of other people that are way more into it and interested than me. But there's definitely like a hype cycle right now, and I think there's a lot of inflate like mm-hmm. not not inflation. There's like a sort of like a bubble. There's a guy, um, Beeple, he's created a painting every day for like 14 years or something like that. I heard about this guy, yeah. And so he already had like a massive following, was like sort of famous. And he sold one, I can't remember if it was a new one or like one of his old popular yeah. ones, but it sold for $69 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I heard that. If I was so the guy people, who bought it. But people need to understand this. So it's digital art. But from what I understand, it can basically be recreated, right? I mean, you don't have, oh, the, yeah. you don't have the original. It's kind of like you think of like the Mona Lisa, right? Like. Exactly. There's the original, and then you could, it, someone could just you know create like a print off. You could you, you literally print the Mona Lisa and go sell it, and for that's that's exactly the psychology because but, it, actually uh, the Mona Lisa wasn't <laughs> famous until it kept getting stolen, and then it became famous because the allure was well who has the Mona Lisa and oh well, I, I you know stole it back or now I bought it now it has some sort of value because there's a history and a story behind it, and so. The history and story behind the Beeple painting is that you are the guy who bought it for $69 million and you own the original Beeple painting. Um, or, for example, like there's, you know, like the uh, the image of LeBron James uh, dunking like after the James yeah. or the Dwayne Wade alley-oop. Yeah. Like something like that would be like, that's a historical moment, yeah. you know? And like even think about pictures and like digital pictures, that's like just starting. Like, I don't know, for hundreds or thousands of years, that could be a thing for the future that we are right at the beginning of imagine owning, you know, the, the Mona Lisa, uh, or the future Mona Lisa of today, but the digital version. So that's why I see the allure of it. I'm just not sure what to actually invest in. Yeah. <laughs> if the technology is pretty sound, cause there are some questionable <laughs> things about it, but I think the underlying idea is, is here to stay. And I think mm. it's genius and I love it. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so those are the kind of the, the fun ones. <laughs> those um, are the cutting edge. Which I may... Well, here's... In a nutshell, what I'm trying to communicate is... Um, I'll kind of get to this a bit, a bit more, but I'll, I'll get to it now. So um, I feel like... I don't say like I missed the boat. I think, well, whatever. But I mean, Bitcoin, right? I mean, it's in January, I think it was. Like, we almost put money into it. We just, I decided I didn't want to. So I didn't want to do it. But when I, when at that time, it was, I think it was at like 32,000 or 31. It was, mm-hmm. it was fairly low. Now, today's at like, what, 56, 57, 58? Around there, yeah. And a few people that I'm fairly close with have put a decent amount of money into it. And they've all like pushed me to do it. And I, I haven't done it yet. But, um, I don't know. I I feel like just like based off principle and like what I know, it's not like not a good idea. To, not a good idea to put a lot of money into. So I don't know about okay. Here's so um, I want to hear. I guess where I'm at is look like I. So we have. I just say it. So we. I, I have about between five and ten grand that I'm willing to invest right now, and I I don't say I'm willing to lose that, but if I lost it, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Like I could survive off that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to figure out, should I put that into like a more secure, like long-term, like safe, you know, investment or one that's, you know, we're in a bubble and I can make a quick little money off it. Right. And, you know, yeah. I put in, you know, 10 grand now, I pull it out in five months kind of thing. So, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. And again, I want to reiterate, I've never like dabbled in this stuff before. I've always kind of felt like business, real estate, like 30 years, 30 years down the road, like long-term, safe, secure. Now I'm thinking, oh, let me like, let's see what's out there kind of thing. So I'm kind of just like new to it. And so yeah. I mean, I'm a noob. I don't know. So I'm kind of asking. There there are two like investment theories that uh, that make me bullish on like all these things. Uh, one is, I sure heard today, uh, but it was like, again, one of these ideas I've already sort of known, which is like verbalized really well which is that um, to, to build wealth, concentrate, to preserve wealth, diversify. Hmm. And so you could kind of think like... I feel uh, like it'd be the opposite. No, I don't Say think it so. again, to build... To build wealth, concentrate, like go all in on something yeah. to preserve, preserve wealth, diversify. diversify. Yeah. In other words, limit your downside yeah. and sort of like, you know, okay. spread your... Uh, how's it go? You know. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Can't remember. But... Uh, for something like Bitcoin, I think that it plays to both of those because, um, for me personally, you know, we have some money in, in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency because, uh, for me, the downside is very, very limited. The upside is, or the downside is limited. The upside is unlimited. Well, limited based on what you invested, right? Well, no, because Because if if you put 50 grand into it, that's a big downside, right? I mean, right, exactly. So that's, that's what I mean, because if you're playing with small numbers, that's actually to your advantage because your small number could turn into a large number. Uh, in, but if you're, a, um, if you're already big time, you already have a lot of money, you don't want to put a large number in there because you, know, you don't want to turn, turn it into, into a small number. So you put so in what, like a grand, 500 bucks? Yeah, five? exactly. I have about three grand in crypto. Okay. Um, Do you know which ones? Yeah, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and a little bit of Dogecoin, which is actually my best performing investment, but it's not okay. really. An and when did you go in? Um, various times over. I mean, I I I had crypto. I mean, like years ago, but I like bought and sold, and mm-hmm. I even had like Crypto Kitties, and like went through all that. <laughs> uh, but now, like the largest majority of my investment was from November of 2020, mm-hmm. uh, and so. And then so just recently put in more. So you're up right now. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. definitely. Oh. Uh, 
So all that to say, I wouldn't invest more than you'd be willing to lose half of, because it's definitely not going to go to zero. There's no way it goes to zero. Even looking at the numbers now of, of Bitcoin, here's how I think about, about crypto is uh, uh, the two most reputable ones are Bitcoin and Ethereum. Mm -hmm. Bitcoin is basically a digital decentralized gold. And so it's like a store of value. It's basically mm -hmm. something that you anchor a currency to. It's not really a true currency like cash or like the dollar where you would use it for transactions. There are other versions of Bitcoin. There's like Zcash and Litecoin and like all sorts of other stuff that, and even Bitcoin itself, you could use it like that. And there are other branches of Bitcoin without getting too much into it where that could be a possibility. But Bitcoin itself um, is a store of value. There's a finite number of Bitcoins that will ever be created, mm -hmm. completely decentralized, uh, very secure, not completely secure, but very secure. And, um, and the interesting that's, thing that's happening is that one, a lot more people and businesses are adopting it. A ton, a ton of businesses are now. Yeah, that guy, uh, Michael Saylor. Michael, yeah, yeah, crazy. He's a little bit wacky, but I think he's how really much smart. money is into it? Five billion dollars. Five billion, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of money. Um, uh, but it's because two inflation, like just like the economic mm -hmm. or world economies, mm -hmm. uh, the. So what people are calling fiat currency, the dollar is being devalued. And so even to preserve the level mm -hmm. of wealth, quote unquote, that you have now, you have to outperform mm -hmm. inflation, which is difficult when there are trillions yeah. and trillions yeah, of dollars yeah, yeah, being yeah. pumped into the economy, devaluing a currency. And so, I mean, I think by default, like Bitcoin is going to go up purely because other currencies are going down, quote unquote, in value because they're being devalued, inflated. Uh, and I don't see that stopping within the next four to eight years ba based on this administration okay. and based on just like the world. Uh, we're also like right at the cusp of crypto. I, I can very much imagine a scenario where each Bitcoin is worth millions or tens of millions of dollars personally, because it's not really about what's the worth of one Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. It's about the total market cap of Bitcoin, its use, what it can do, what it means to people. Hmm. So I don't really care about like, what's the price? It's more about like, what's the total adoption? How many people are using it? And what could the price be based on the factors like there's a limited number and increased adoption? The price is for sure gonna go yeah. up. So I bought in at various times when it was like 3,000, 10,000, 20,000. And then the last time was like 30,000. So overall you put in three grand, you know where you're at right now? Well, then I put it again at like 50,000. Mm. So yeah, I'm up like 50%. It's not like a ton. Uh, there are some people who are up like yeah. 50, yeah. you know, 5,000%. Or yeah, we know someone that owns two full Bitcoin. Right. They bought <laughs> it when it lot. was like, I don't know. I think it, yeah, it was like a couple grand each. Like it was cheap. Yeah. I remember actually uh, when the first Bitcoin kind of like pop happened and it went up to 18 grand and then went back down to three grand. I wanted to buy but three grand back then was too much for me mm -hmm. to buy one Bitcoin and you couldn't buy fractional shares back then. Now you can, uh, so you can invest, okay. you know, a yeah. dollar yeah, into yeah, it yeah. if you want to. And uh, I just couldn't get myself to do that because it was, I don't think I really even had like the savings. So, okay. That's a good point. So I have, that's kind of where we've been the last, up until like December of this last year. That's kind of where we were, you know, what, after we bought our house and we put a lot of money into that. And then with COVID, I mean, we, you know, we were fighting to break even, so we just we weren't doing all that great financially. So, yeah. 
I wasn't in a spot. Like I didn't have a whole lot of money I was willing to invest. Like I had my savings account, like my emergency fund that I was not going to really touch. And then like my operating income. So I didn't have any money to invest. So yeah. since like December, start of January, we've been, you know, we've been doing better. So now I feel like okay, I have some money I'm willing to invest. So where did I put it? So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Um, so it's been, I've, dude, it's been fun to learn all this stuff and I've never gone there before. So um, I, I, I really <laughs> like, so I really like Bitcoin because I think it's the digital gold. I also think that it it's um there's a lot of upside just like for a long time because even think about like the global economy, global currencies, um, uh, like it represents something of value to, to especially people in third world countries. Actually, like we have the least amount of use for it here, but like in places like India and Indonesia and mm-hmm. I don't know uh, impoverished like African countries, like that actually means the most because their currency really is being devalued mm-hmm. a ton and it's out of their control and whatnot. So Bitcoin is, I love that because it starts from the bottom mm-hmm. and it's most valuable to people who uh, are not rich, but are actually on the opposite end of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. And that means that there's a lot of upside yeah. for those, for those people. Um, I also really like Ethereum because Bitcoin is like gold, but Ethereum is more actually like the technology that you has like a function and a use. Mm-hmm. Ethereum is what you build websites and web apps off of, and that powers a lot of things that we see today. Like, uh, I don't know if BitCloud is actually, I'm pretty sure, but a lot of other apps are built off of Ethereum. And so there's a very like tangible um, function for it. And it's fairly secure. Like the founder is a really, really smart dude. They have like a whole bunch of, like there's a whole foundation around mm-hmm. Ethereum. Um, and I think that Ethereum is going to be like the dominant thing that a lot of things are going to be built off of in the future. Every other cryptocurrency, I am extremely skeptical about. <coughs> so, uh, Cordana, <laughs> I've never heard of it before. Uh, okay. So let me get to that. <laughs> so Cordana, um, well, I think we'll back up. So there's like what thousands of cryptos, right? From what oh, I understand yeah. thousands. I mean, Dogecoin, some guy just made as a joke. And now there's like a market cap of like billions. Okay. So thousands of them, uh, I believe. So uh, Bitcoin's number one. Ethereum is number two, right? Two or three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe Cordana is now, um, I want to say seven, but I'm also thinking like top 15. So, I mean, it's, it's up there. It's one of the like main ones, but not like the biggest, obviously. Um, I don't under, I don't know fully off the top of my mind, but I believe Cord. So I know Bitcoin and Ethereum each have have like kind of like what their what their special their specialty whatever how they're created. I believe Cordana has a focus on like the blockchain aspect. I don't again I don't fully understand it, but it has like it has its emphasis kind of in that area. Hmm. Um, anyway, that's one of the ones. So I think it's currently at like a dollar something, you know, a coin. So right. And I here's how I would think about it is. There's only those two are the only ones I could see like yeah being be a currency is what you're saying not really a currency but just like will they even be around in ten or twenty years um, I think so like they will continue especially like once you get to that one top two position like it's really hard to be kind of be dethroned mm-hmm. they also have like shown the most promise they're most widely adopted there is a bunch of others where like you know they go up and down the charts mm-hmm. they're here flash in the pan there's a bunch that were complete scams uh, like Ripple and a whole bunch of others. Um, and so I kind of treat them just like gambling or like penny stocks. Like that's why I bought Dogecoin. So I was like, oh, I can buy 1400 Dogecoin for 10 bucks. Like, <laughs> sure. If it goes to a dollar, I'm freaking rich. Cool. And, <laughs> but like, I'm not putting in 
thousand dollars. I'd put in a hundred. So that's just that's, for the that's how I feel it. about Cardano. I think I want to yeah. put in like a grand. Okay. Yeah. But again, I don't want to lose that, but I, it'd be okay, you know. And so, I just feel like, hey, why not? I, I know people that have put like a lot of money. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I feel like whatever you're so okay for with, these, uh, whatever you're okay with going to zero, because a lot of cryptocurrencies yeah, with have those gone ones, to zero. Okay. Yeah, the ones half. Got it. Yeah. Bitcoin and Ethereum, there's no way they're going to zero. There's no way they're even going down to, you know, under a dollar, under ten dollars, under a hundred dollars. Um, it's they're too far gone. Like mm-hmm. they're they're only going up from here. A lot of these other ones, it's pure. Who knows? Mm-hmm. No idea. Um, yeah, I would say. Well, okay. How would you spread that out? Because I, I mean, I'm not looking to be doing anything dumb. Like I'm not. You know, I want to be like smart with what I'm doing. So I'm not willing to put. You know. 10 grand into Cordon on probably a bad day from what you're telling me, <laughs> but, um, I know. yeah, I'm open. I'm open to trying some things. I, w- I would, uh, consider at least a thousand for Bitcoin and Ethereum personally each. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just because I feel like a thousand is enough to make you think and care about it, but not enough to where you would be like, you know, crying uh, mm-hmm. about losing it all. Even though I don't think that you would, uh, the other ones, um, I would I would go for that diversification strategy. So, if you wanted to get into some into some other crypto, I'd probably put in a hundred bucks max because um, let's say Cardano, you said it's around like a dollar mm-hmm. per coin. Um, it could go to ten dollars or a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, in which case your hundred dollars turns into a thousand, ten thousand, or a hundred thousand dollars, which are all like great wins. Um, or it could go to zero. And it could be Cordana or it could be any other one. So if you wanted to like gamble, that that would be my gambling strategy mm-hmm. personally is like, again, limit the ups, the downside for each one of those to the bare minimum to where it's still worth mm-hmm. the upside, whatever the upside is at 10 or 100x return. Um, NFTs, there's uh, there's Rally Road, there's uh, Dibs, there's, um, I think it's called Foundation. There's a few like marketplaces basically where you can, you can invest in NFTs and that I would probably like try to stick to some sort of like circle of competence. So, um, maybe like basketball trading cards, like that's what I would do personally. That's where I would start with. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably keep a small amount of money in there, maybe like a thousand bucks max. I don't know. You could increase these by personally. That's kind of like where my threshold starts to start where I'm like, oh, I'd be worried about putting more than that in. REITs, I feel like, are super solid. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. Maybe that's, 50%. That's the no-brainer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the other ones are more like, yeah, should I? Yeah. So I put... So the REITs is now it's a matter of like which REIT, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, I see. Which REIT? Yeah. Um, I, I have a couple I've been looking at, but... I wonder know. if you would uh, qualify as an accredited investor. I bet Why? you you would. For what reason? Um, because there, there are other, like there are better investment opportunities for accredited investors. How would I be that? Um, basically to be an accredited investor, I think you have to be making $250,000 a year or have liquid or not liquid. You have assets Assets of of $1 million. I'm, I'm pretty sure on like a combination or sort of theoretical level, like basically someone told me once, like, if you own a business that could theoretically be sold for a million dollars, then you're an accredited investor. Gotcha. And so you could theoretically, like if Swifels is making a hundred thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. theoretically someone could buy it for 10 times revenue. Mm-hmm. And so I could call myself an accredited mm-hmm. investor, Gotcha. but it's a little bit like, 
consult your lawyer. I'm not legal yeah. advice or <laughs> whatever. You know, uh, take that with a grain of salt. But uh, for example, there's a couple like I really like Fundrise mm-hmm. for like anyone yeah. and everyone, and I have a decent amount of money in there. But Fundrise is more long term, right? Not yeah. really. No. Like you can you can liquidate quarterly. Okay. Uh, but they have great returns. And there's another one. Huh? What percent? Uh, I think that's averaging around nine to ten percent. Um, IRR, so you know annual returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they have great dividends that so you can just automatically reinvest, and they give you updates all the time on sort of like where your money is actually going. It's not just like a big, you know, aggregation, mm-hmm. but it's actually like, hey, your money's going to this thing and that thing and that thing. Um, there's one step up from that, which is why I asked that question called CrowdStreet, which is also really highly recommended, which is for accredited investors and is um, more on like the higher level uh, commercial real estate side of things. But I think has the same benefits um, with even better returns and equal liquidation. Or you can go into just like a public equity REIT, Mm -hmm. um, which I think are also good strategies. Which is what I've been looking at those. Yeah, that's what I have money in. So I can show you the ones that I have money in. I don't know off the top of my head. Cool. All right, cool. I love that rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what to skip. We're going kind of long. So I'll skip a couple of these. Um, just briefly, I want to ask you about Q Sciences. Have you spent Oof. any time? Here we go. Have you spent any time looking into it? Um, no, I haven't spent any time looking into it, but I have heard of it and experienced it. Overall uh, filtered thoughts. <laughs> filtered <laughs> thoughts. Um, personally, I'm, I have a... a I'm not completely against, but I have a, a bias against the skeptic skepticism, skepticism, maybe even pessimism towards MLMs. Uh, I think that most people do. And so, yeah, it doesn't strike me as anything like new, like the thing that I, I try to really look for is like, what is the actual product? Mm-hmm. Do people love the product? Do they use the product? Do people selling the product? really like the product can i get this product anywhere else um if not you know then it becomes more interesting but especially when it's purely about like the business opportunity i get pretty turned off to it mm-hmm. yeah yeah i have similar thoughts um i one thing i we don't have to go into this very deeply but um i do think it's interesting and i think i would probably be included in this category maybe you as well um i think there's like a wave going on right now like in our circles of people that like want to make money, you know? Yeah. Um, and, but when I say I want to make money, I mean like kind of catching like the good wave kind of idea, right? Like not missing out. I mean, for example, we just talked about NFTs and, you know, BitCloud, all these things, right? <laughs> um, like not missing out on like the next big thing, right? Um, so anyway, I think that's worth like digesting and kind of thinking about like, we don't know if uh, Q Sciences is, you know, the next apple stock whatever you know the next huge like investment you're going to miss out on or or what um i guess my overall thoughts on it is that i think for some people they're going to make a lot of money um i we probably won't be one of those people like we're not you know we're just gonna hang out on the sidelines but i was curious on your thoughts on it okay well one of my life principles i totally miss and i'm going to include right now which is um is it the exception or the rule Hold on, I have to write it down. Because uh, what a lot of these, uh, I mean, even something like, you know, BitClout, like you take, it's not even just about MLMs, but like any sort of 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like, in, yeah. Interesting opportunity in front of you. You always have to look at, is this the exception to the rule or is this the rule? And oftentimes as a marketing tactic, I would know as a marketer, people will highlight the exceptions, the really crazy stories, the really exceptional returns, the really, um, the really great financial rewards. Um, and the problem with that is that then you're striving towards something that is maybe even impossible to achieve either because you joined too late or because of your own circumstances or because the math just doesn't work out that way mm-hmm. or because of luck. And again, I'm speaking on behalf of MLMs and, you know, uh, gambling essentially on a uh, crypto or stocks or whatever, whatever your advice is. And, um, I think purely from like a business perspective, I can speak on it is that I don't like the business model of MLMs very much because I think it's an outdated soon to be obsolete sort of system. Mm-hmm. Um, because w- think about it, when you didn't have the internet and marketing was really, really hard. you like ran TV ads or you newspaper ads or like, you know, you name it, like physical sort of thing, uh, radio ads. And that, you know, the budgets go way up so that like only the big players, the apples, the whatevers can, can really advertise on those kind of channels. And so like, what do you do if you're a company trying to get your product into average Joe's down the street? If you can't advertise them on TV, mm-hmm. well, you have to either go door to door or there was this new innovative strategy called, you know, network marketing, which is multi-level marketing where you sort of, you know, build a sales force of affiliates for your product and they get uh, a piece of the pie and they get to sort of uh, get some sort of recurring uh, income as well. But now that we have the internet, like now in this modern day, it's a lot easier to reach people. And also I think what we find is that there are so many of them that people get really burnt out on it. Mm-hmm. It really, really, really incentivizes being in early and uh, like working your network. And most people, I think, what is it? The rule, like, you only know like the average person only really knows like 300 people and they're only friends with, um, or they're like in their close network, mm-hmm. there's only like 50 people. And then within, you know, like their family unit, there's only, you know, like on average, hmm. you know, three or four people, uh, or not, not the family unit. Um, yeah. Within their direct family, there's maybe like 10 people, right. Uh, including friends or coworkers, maybe it's 20, 25 people. And so, it's the, the upside isn't unlimited. <laughs> like you have to mm-hmm. really, you have to work your network unless you're like constantly expanding your network somehow, which I don't really know how you do that. Uh, some people say it's the internet. I don't really think that's the case because you'd have to make a lot of friends and continue to be friends with a lot of people <laughs> in order to keep your network large, mm-hmm. which I don't think is very sustainable. So again, from a business perspective, from a marketing perspective, I don't like it because I think it's just a matter of like who can get in first and like lock in people the quickest. And that just feels wrong to a certain extent. I just don't like that very much. Yeah. I think that it's, it is intriguing um, hearing the opportunity, like the financial upside. Uh, I think for me, what it comes down to is largely what you just said um, is uh, the, like the, how much you rely on your network and your, like your circle of, of people and contacts and I just kind of feel like, look, like my, for me, like my online presence isn't like that strong. Like I don't have like a super strong online network. And so 
like I don't think it'd be a good situation for me personally. Um, but also I think like uh, I think it, I don't th- when I, when I learned about it, I don't think it's like a get rich quick and easy type type of uh, platform. I I do think it requires a somewhat decent amount of like work and, and effort. And so for me, if I'm gonna put like work and effort towards it towards something like that, like I'm gonna put it towards like like a different business, you know, not so much like that type of platform. Mm-hmm. So that's like my overall thoughts on it, I guess. I have a hard time with it because I think that it burns a lot of bridges and it leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. And you're essentially incentivized to monetize every relationship that you've mm-hmm. ever had with someone. Yeah. Because what happens even when you sort of like you are successful, you have to keep being successful. You have to keep yeah. meeting new people or really just, you know, keep knocking at the door of people in your network. And, uh, and again, that's a bummer. Like, if someone says no, they should be allowed to say no, and then you go to the next door. Mm-hmm. But what happens when you don't have any more doors to go to? They've yeah. all said no. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what happens because there's, uh, I think, like you know, just speaking openly, like an hour circle, there's a decent amount of people that are that are on board and doing it now. So uh, I'm very curious to see what happens. I'm very curious, and I hope some of them make it big. But it'd be, I'm, uh, yeah, I want to see what happens. I guess with with everyone involved. So. Make a note this time next year to uh, check in, check in yeah. and uh, remind ourselves to talk about yeah. it again. Well, I think the hard part is like, what happens if they all get rich? Like, did we miss out? Would we be, would we be idiots? Like, I don't know. We'll see. So. It's possible. Again, there are exceptions to the rule. If you are the type of person who really wants to be and like striving to be the exception, that's totally fine. But I'm not that person. Yeah. Um. Okay, well, one of the... We're a little bit over time, so I'm trying to go fast. But uh, I've been reading this book... Um called nonviolent communication hmm. and it's interesting i've heard about it i heard about it from three different places and so the third time i heard about it I was like, you know what i'll read it um i think i told you at the start of the year how i had like my book list for the year right and so this is one of the ones i kind of like jumped in and like put at the top of the list and okay. so um fast track yeah and I've, so I've been wanting to read a book about just like communicating and like you know listening better and like really understanding what someone is saying and responding to the to the words that are saying versus responding by what i want to say um so this book has not been like fully along those lines um i wouldn't recommend it yet when i finish it i would i'll let you know but um i do like it so far i've I've taken some fans away so it's all about kind of just like the how we communicate right and Hmm. psychology behind it and kind of just like what like what is it we're actually trying to get across versus versus what actually comes out most of the time um and so you know one of the things that it talks about is uh, a lot of people whether it's in like a conversation or i think mostly like an argument or disagreement uh, people communicate like based on the idea of what is of what is right in like their own eyes um, versus like what is actually true. And so like, you communicate with someone based off of how they're wrong and how you're right. And it talks about like, when you do that, like that's a very quick way to alienate yourself and like push yourself away from someone. Mm. And I don't know about you, but like I think of examples of people that I know that communicate in a way of, you know, they come across as feeling as if they are fully correct and right in their own way. And I am like 100% wrong. And anytime someone someone does that to me, I think like, okay, like you're done, <laughs> like you know, back up, bucko. Well, yeah, why like, waste your yeah, time like, with someone you're you not going to change their mind? Um, but okay, so so when when I read that in a book, I was like, duh, obvious. But then I thought I thought about that. I thought, wait a second, like I gotta do that. Like, you know, I think a lot of us like we 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 do, we do that, right? Mm. We, we communicate in a way when we like when we're convinced we're right about something, like that's kind of it. And so, um, anyway, this book has kind of caused me to kind of think a little bit about that, like kind of just normal things that we do. Um, 
you know, another thing it says is kind of along the same lines, but it says like our attention is often uh, focused on uh, classifying, analyzing, and determining someone else's uh, like level of wrongness rather than taking a look at ourselves and from where we're coming from. So mm. like communicating to someone again as if like they are fully wrong, like not even like stop and think about if like I could be wrong. And again, something that, something that I I do and I think we you know we do that. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of this comes down to like viewing things like through our own lens. So like, you know, if it's not what we want, if it's not in line with our values or what we see to be true and right, then it's automatically wrong. Um, and the problem is like when you communicate from that, from that like situation, from that perspective, from that position, uh, it's a hard, <laughs> it's a hard spot to be. Um, yeah. And the last, uh, it's a few more, but I think the last thing I want to say was, um, he talks about his idea of, of observation versus evaluation and communication. And he kind of gives some examples, but you know, some of them were like, uh, you are always selfish or you never uh, clean up after yourself. Mm. And uh, like a lot of those things, like that's like observations that you may have, but it may not be like the actual evaluation. So he talks about like when you're evaluating something, if you're going to communicate from an, e- from an evaluation standpoint, like give specifics. So like, Hey, you were selfish when you, you know, da 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 whatever or you you know you uh you know when you did not clean up after yourself from you know your dinner last night it made me feel you know x whatever it is Mm -hmm. um giving with you know like evaluated specifics versus like just overall like general observations um and so the reason why i wouldn't recommend it yet is because everything he has said so far has kind of been like obvious things like all those examples i just gave him like yeah i know that um so I'm about halfway through it, so I'll let you know next time <laughs> where I land. They're good things, but it's a good thing to reminders. think about, um, yeah. and it's it's obvious things that we all do, and so it's kind of fun to think about them a little bit. So. I like that. Yeah, I just have a couple of quick like business work updates. Um, we want to wrap it up from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Uh, one of them is fairly recently, Swipe Files hit the revenue milestone of two thousand dollars in MRR. Ooh monthly recurring revenue nice and so yeah it feels good i mean still like slow but uh slow and steady and uh, lots of exciting stuff it's it's climbing and it feels like how many subscribers is that um it's about 200 well now there's about 290 uh so it's about 250 or yeah 2500 dollars in mrr technically now um but yeah each, each one pays 100 bucks a year so uh, that feels good. Last month, actually, Swipe House did $10,000 in net revenue. Nice. So it was a good month, but it's still, you know, like the recurring revenue membership side of things yeah. is still a little bit slow. Um, and the one other thing I'll mention is actually more on like the investing side of things, but I've been dabbling with some crowdfunding and wanted to get your thoughts on it. But uh, I've already put money into a couple and I'm thinking about putting money into one more. But basically, on March 15th, there was a new amendment or regulation passed that uh, increased the limit and made it a little bit friendlier. So the rules became friendlier, and then instead of being able to, for companies to crowdfund, uh, I guess like crowdinvest, I can't remember like the right terminology, but basically they can take investment from up to $1.07 million a year up to $5 million a year. So like a pretty substantial amount mm-hmm. of money. They also made the terms friendlier and stuff. So the very first one to take advantage of this was a company called Gumroad. Gumroad is like the big platform that you use to sell digital products, you know, PDFs, courses, eBooks, things like that, even memberships. And um, it's a great company, great founder, great team, 
followed them for a long time. They're completely transparent. You can see all their financials and metrics and history. They're just like an open book basically. Uh, and so, um, I invested a thousand dollars into it at a $100 million valuation, basically with the logic of this could, I could never see this again. I don't, it's not, again, it's not going to go to zero, but I don't know if there's going to be some sort of like exit or event that would get me my money back. Um, or they could turn into a billion dollar or a $10 billion company, get some sort of either IPO or exit, or now there's a lot of more opportunity to trade or to uh, sell in secondary markets, sell to like you, if you wanted my Gumroad shares. Um, so I'm pretty stoked about it. Also just like kind of for fun to be part yeah, of the journey. Cool. <laughs> there's another one called WeFunder. It's a little bit meta. So actually WeFunder is a crowdsourcing platform. And I think I put 500 bucks into that one. There's another one, an investment firm called Backstage Capital, uh, which basically isn't, it's, it's kind of confusing, but basically you get a, uh, like there's institutional money that you invest on behalf of investors. And then the actual company that receives some of the profits of the investments, that's what you're investing in. So you're not investing in the companies they invest in, you're investing in the company itself. Mm -hmm the investment firm and specifically what's called carried interest, which is basically a portion of the, the fund profits that are returned back from the investments that are made. Uh, and so I put like a hundred bucks into that one just for fun, just cause I didn't understand it, but I wanted to be a part of it. And now I'm actually considering another one. So I've been following for a long time. They're an investor in one of my friend's company. It's called earnest capital. And now they've caught wind of this. He's really, really smart. They're growing a lot. And they're opening up to a to crowdfund uh, for earnest capital to get a share of the profits there. I just wanted to run through the numbers really quick just because it's, it's kind of interesting and I don't want to talk too long because I probably could for a long time. Um, but just wanted to, to share the numbers through this. I don't know if I will. I need to get Monique's blessing as well. <laughs> and, uh, or even how much. I know I will like a little bit because why not? Uh, it's just a matter of, of how much. But um, basically how it works is um, this is, this is going to be like investment one-on-one for how like venture capital or like private equity investing works. So uh, earnest capital invests in institutional money from people, maybe like, you know, if, if you were like LeBron James, for example, uh, and LeBron would invest into something like earnest capital to invest on his behalf. And then after a certain amount of time, usually like seven to 10 years, uh, then, you know, companies sell and sort of like the fund is returned. So all that original money, then, um, you know, maybe we invest a million dollars, we get $3 million back. Well, always the, the investors get at least one X their money back. So that now we're left with $2 million of that $2 million. The, the limited partners, LeBron James gets 80% of that. And then the investor or yeah, the investor uh, earnest capital, for example, gets 20% of that $2 million. And that's actually like how earnest capital makes money is off of the fund profits. So when you invest in earnest capital, you are investing in a percentage of that 20% of the fund profits, but it's a really, really small number <laughs> because basically what happens is that, uh, earnest capital is raising $2 million. And so you can invest like the amount that you invest determines the amount of uh, of the 
the percentage of the $2 million that you invest determines the percentage that you get in the carry eventually, right? And into the, the fund profits. So to run through some numbers, uh, oh, so, so 10% of that 20% goes to someone like me. And so if I invest something like $2,000, this is the scenario that I ran, that I ran through. $2,000 gets you 0.1% of that 10%, which is 2% of the total fund profits. <laughs> so the, the math works out to being 0.002% of all of the fund profits forever. That's what you're entitled to if you do this investment with $2,000. So the question is, how do you get your $2,000 back? Well, Ernest Capital would have to generate fund profits of $100 million for you to get your $2,000 back. But after Whoa. that, it's all profit. Oh, yeah, no big deal, yeah. Right, 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 right. This is the, the speculative, you know, the gambler in, in you. Screw it. I'm going Cordana, bro. <laughs> so you put in, uh, you put in, you want to get $4,000 back. Ernest Capital has, re has returned $200 million. Um, if you wanted to 10x your money, you get $20,000 back. Earnest capital would have to return $1 billion in fund profits. All that to say, it's actually pretty interesting because it's not uncommon for these numbers to happen. And actually they're basically the numbers work out is if earnest capital right now, they, they first raised a $2 million fund and then a $5 million fund and then a $10 million fund. And eventually they'll get up to a point where they're raising about $50 million a year is where they'll need to get to. And that's actually a very reasonable number. Like most venture capital firms raise 10, 50, a hundred, up to billions of dollars from investors. Um, and then after that, you are entitled to a portion of the profits, like literally forever. So it could be $2,000 per year, $10,000 per year, 30 years from now. This is brand new territory. Yeah. Like literally no one has ever done this before, but it has me intrigued because I'm so an early, early adopter. What am, are you? Oh yeah. I'm for sure late for sure. <laughs> late majority. Yeah. <laughs> um, what amount of money would you put into it or do you want to put in? Um, yeah, I want to put somewhere between a thousand and 2000. Okay. I'll match you. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. I'm with you. Let's talk to our wives about it. I'll we'll follow you. Uh, Connie's down in a heartbeat. Okay. Dude. I'll have to get the blessing. But it's, again, very limited downside, but the prospectus of two to $10,000 a year forever is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. You're at least along for the ride, for the fun. Yeah. So I'm in. Those are my, my updates. Yeah, dude, I'm excited. I think that, well, I'll get to mine, I guess. <laughs> but I'm excited right now. I feel like um, for a long time... Matt's made a comment that I'm like a, I'm, I'm, I would always be up to late majority. I'm always kind of, I've always been that way. I've always kind of just like slower to make decisions and I'm very methodical about a lot of things and I'm, I'm slow in that, in that regard. Um, and recently, um, like I don't think I'm changing, like I'm still that way, but like my mind is at least open to new ideas. So mm. I'm like excited about like learning and I love to learn. So it's been fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. that's it. You're good. You don't, you don't want to share anything else? No, I can share more later. Okay. Other things. You have talked uh, the majority of this time. I so. have. Yes. Give me the floor, baby. <laughs> okay. For me, um, dude. So I can finally say that, um, our event business has been, uh, doing well again. I'm like, I'm very relieved and excited. It's amazing. Um, there are some like uncertainty or uncertain and like, 
borderline like scary things coming up, but um, yeah, I feel very hopeful. Like I'm no like I you know I feel we feel comfortable again. You know, income has been more steady, and um, we are on track to surpass 2019's revenue goals, wow. um, which were which were good. So yeah, I'm excited about just kind of growth and what's coming in, and AKA surpassing pre-COVID levels. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now, so here's the kicker, though. Um, a good portion of the revenue for this year. It, um, is risk or are rescheduled events from last year, if that mm, makes sense. So, right. um, it's not like all like new revenue for 2021, but still like deferred. Yeah. Not all of it. I, I would say probably about, I, I need, I actually sh- should sit down and look at it. It's probably about 40% of it is probably deferred. Okay. Um, so, uh, anyway, uh, that's still encouraging. So I feel like happy to report <laughs> that, uh, things are on the up. So, um, that's exciting. Some kind of uh, negative things to be thinking about and maybe even praying about if you're listening and, and like know me well and want to pray. <laughs> uh, they So they just released like San Diego like event guidelines for 2021, um, like opening back up with COVID. So most other states are fully open when, in regards to events and weddings and that kind of stuff. Uh, California is still like, you know, not open yet. So as of April 15th, uh, we'll be open again. But um there's like regulations and like weird things they're doing. So, you know, one of the things is that they're going to require anyone who attends any kind of event or a wedding or, you know, um, a concert to either show proof of vaccination or proof of a negative COVID test in the last 72 hours. Um, so some people may not think it's a big deal. Um, some, some people may be really against that. Some may not care. Um, for someone like me who, you know, we are event workers, so we're there every single weekend. Um, if, if I or me or my staff are against having a vaccination, then that puts us, put us in a really hard spot because that means getting COVID tested every single week. Um, so that's one thing that's kind of like a bummer. I'm trying to figure out. We'll see what happens. They may not require that um, by vendors. I don't know. From what I've At heard. Least not forever, right? I mean. Well, I don't know, man. I really don't know. Um, what, what from what I've heard is that uh, it's going to be up to the venues to enforce it. And from people that I know, I think a lot of venues aren't. Well, I don't know. I, I think they may not enforce it, at least for vendors. So we'll we'll see what happens. But that's kind of one thing that's uh, happening. So hmm. wow, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, uh, but on a, on a positive side, you know, good things are happening. So I'm excited. Uh, second thing was I don't want to share about it yet. Probably in the next podcast, but. Uh, we, we are considering some like new business opportunities right now. So I'm really excited about that. Um, a couple of things kind of in the works. So, um, hopefully next episode we'll be ready to share that. Um, it's exciting. Um, some things that I've kind of been having a hard time with, um, have been like time management and like finding my stride every day. I don't know about you, but I've been feeling, um, like I wake up every morning, like so excited to work and, um, like I'm, I feel just, you know, full of energy and, you know, ready. Um, but I'm having a hard time, like really staying focused on certain aspects. I find myself kind of bouncing around and, um, kind of being flustered with like new ideas. And so I'm trying really hard to like, you know, block my time and, and sets and, and really focus on certain things that, you know, one at a time, but that has been harder to like kind of stay in my stride and stay focused. Do and nor- normally I'm not that way. Normally I'm very focused. Yeah. So it's kind of been weird. Do you keep a to-do list or do you like plan out everything on your calendar? Yeah, I just have like a running to-do list and I kind of every day will kind of pick like what mm. what I work on and when. And like I know myself that I'm most energized like, you know, f- you know, 7 a.m. until like lunchtime, you know, 1 o'clock or so. And right. so that's when I do like my most difficult tasks. And then after that, I do more like brainless, you know, easier things to do. I've been struggling with this too and the small amount of progress I have been able to make has been being pretty diligent about time blocking and like literally planning out tasks 
on my calendar, mm -hmm. like on a, you know, per half hour basis, mm -hmm. basically. Um, because it forces you to plan out in advance what you're going to do and also be okay with the amount of work that you do every day yeah. and stick to it. But I was going to say, so yeah, literally this morning I, I did that. Um, uh, so one of the things that has been running late has been my research. <laughs> and this morning I like started like 6.30, started, you know, early today. And I told myself, okay, by A, I'm like starting working. And uh, like 801 came around, like I stopped my research and like I started working again. And then I said, okay, I'm going to do like emails, like follow up from like 8 until 9. And then by 9, I said, I'm going to start, you know, my next task, whatever. And by 9 o'clock, I like I switched. And so hmm. today it worked. But yeah. Um, anyway, that, yeah, you're right. That has been, the time blocking is like a good way. To it's really it. hard to do though. Um, then the last thing I, I guess I want to share was um, I tried to kind of um, – like every week identify one thing that I want to improve in my, in my business. Um, and just thinking about like working on my business, business, not in my business. Um, for me, it's very easy to get stuck on like just the weekly like responsibilities. And so, um, each week I've been trying to pick one thing the last like month or so. And it's been, I've been doing it. So it's kind of kind of been fun. That's a fun yeah. idea. Like I, I write it down, like I circle it, like it's like my big thing for the whole week. And so at some point I fit it in there and, um, it's, it's been like really good things that have been like, having more like long-term like lasting effects versus like a, like a temporary fix, you know? So. Do you have examples of some of the things? Um, one of them has been some SEO stuff. So I don't know how I missed, um, I was missing several like meta descriptions for a lot of, um, of my products and pages. And so I went through and fixed a lot of those. I forget, uh, something tag, tag, um, what they're called. Mm. It's long to seem lines, like a meta description. It's called a, uh, Meta tag? No. Is it a meta what? tag? I don't know. Tag. Maybe it's not tag. It's like it's one that's um, what it doesn't matter. An SEO type thing that I was missing. Like okay. I, that I figured that out. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go fix that. Yeah. Um, that's one example. Um, another thing is I think I shared this last time, but I finally like developed our SOPs and have that like right. set and ready. So that's been good. Um. Uh, I just got. Uh, I'm getting lights installed at our warehouse, so that's like a it's like a small mm -hmm. thing, but um, like you know, at a warehouse, I have that's where our employees come, and I want it to be like a good place. To, you know, like it's like bright and like you know, good to be at, not like dark. And our customers come there to, to look at stuff. So I want it to be like an inviting yeah. place. That that's you know, they just I'm getting that done. So small things like that that I think cool. will have like a lasting impact. Um, so I yeah, like that. small examples. So. Awesome, man. Yeah, dude, that was long winded for what us. What a doozy. We did it. We had a lot to catch up on. Well, shall we wrap it? Let's do it, bro. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. If you're li still listening to this point, thank you, especially. Uh, three things you can do to help us to support the podcast. One, please drop into your podcast player of choice. If you're on Apple Podcasts especially, leave us a review, a rating and review. Just drop in another star in there or let us know what you learned. Or you can even ask a question and we'll find it in there. It's always fun to read through those and super appreciate your support. Also help us to get uh, discovered by more people. You can also just text it to a friend. Just share it. Uh, it goes a long, long way for us. It's the, by far the most effective way that we grow the podcast. And if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye.